Hey listeners, it's Alex, your host of EOA, Entrepreneurs of Asia, the show where we talk to founders, investors, and entrepreneurs, shaping and impacting the startup scene in Asia. Today's episode was recorded back in December 2020. We get to sit down with Yorlin Ung, the COO of Momentum Works. In the previous episode, we chatted with Jiangan Li, the CEO of Momentum Works, where we cover in depth what they do, which is venture building, consulting, corporate innovation, and media. If you want to learn more about Momentum Works, listen to the previous episode, episode 16. What's unique in listening to both of these episodes is that these founders are actually a married couple bucking the old adage of not being able to work together with a loved one. In this episode, we start off with an intellectual exercise of whether or not Yorlin should actually be the CEO of Momentum Works instead. She later goes on to explain why covering women in entrepreneurship and leadership are important topics for her and the pros and cons of working in corporates or startups. Towards the end of the episode, we discuss what actually is the role of the COO, Chief Operating Officer. This episode might resonate with women or anyone interested in diversity, an audience looking for possible changes in their journey, whether they're looking to join corporate or startup, either way, and maybe a younger audience who might be interested in hearing about Yorlin's earlier experiences and how she transitioned from corporate to startup. Lastly, this may also benefit anyone who's thinking about how to structure the relationship between their CEO or COO. Feel free to skip around to the different chapters and sections below with your podcast platform. Let's dive right in. Hello, Yorlin. Welcome to the show. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Alex? Good. Uh, so let's, let's just dive right in. Let's, mm-hmm. let's start with a, a question. Mm. Should, should you be the CEO of Momentum Works? Should I be the CEO of Momentum Works? What would I do? What would you, I, I don't know. That's that's up to you. Wow, so early in the day. Should I be the CEO of Momentum Works? Uh, never thought of it actually, Alex. Because for me, right, I've always wanted to to do something exciting, but I always didn't have that kind of like what do you call that? This this kind of like vision that that a, that a founder has. But, but I think if I were the CEO of Momentum Works, I think I would be looking for somebody from a Rocket Internet background to, to help me run it. Oh, very interesting. So there's, there's quite a few things to pick up there. Yes. Why do, you, why, why do you pause and hesitate to assume? I mean, let, let's also make clear first, like founder yeah. versus CEO is, can, can be the same thing, but it could also be very different. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So that, that's mm. that's first off, and then secondly, mm. what's making you pause to assume a top role? Top role. I I, I kind of like how you are actually jumping into this discussion. So maybe to answer your question, I I think I think uh, a few things that I just want to maybe just share. I've I've always been really comfortable being in a supporting role. It does not mm-hmm. mean that I cannot be a, a leader, but I think I think you can be a leader, but in a in a in a really strong supporting role. But I I I've I've always wanted to follow somebody with a very strong vision that I could help execute. Mm-hmm. So execute something for so so I think what I've observed in the in 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 the industry in the startup space the last few years is that I see lots of uh, people with vision. And, and that excites me. And mm-hmm. uh, I want to bring across my, my operational experience and try to help them drive things home. Mm-hmm. So, so in, in a way, that's where I, I come from. 
It almost sounds like you're saying, though, that you don't have anything that currently is inspiring you or or a vision mm. that you yourself want to manifest, and that that's why you wouldn't want to be CEO per se. Yeah, I think I think in a way I'm actually oh, I'm quite agnostic. So okay. so I think yeah, and I, and I think it's nothing wrong with that because I I don't think I I think it's just like you know if I were to ask you, would you want to be the president of the United States? Yes. Okay. Okay. So, so that's cool. Um, <laughs> Just joking, but that's a fanciful, yeah. very that that will happen. But I don't know. Don, Donald Trump oh. lowered the bar so much, so why not, right? Yes, but but I think I think many people I know, and I think that they would love to be in a in like in a sales role or a marketing role, but nobody really wants to do that CEO. Not many people wants to do the CEO role. But but does not mean that this person does not have the kind of like inspirational dreams. It's just from a different angle. Okay, that's fair. Oh, that's a very good question, though. As a CEO, how much vision and inspiration do you need in order to be a CEO? I, I don't know. I, I even feel like there are some very effective CEOs, like Fortune 500 mm. companies. Yeah. I mean, the, it's a well-oiled machine already built. I mean, of course, I mean, like, there has to be a certain direction and idea, but to, to what degree is that absolutely needed to be? Mm. Or maybe, maybe, maybe mm. you're, you know, maybe if you assume the role, it unlocks different things you would never think about because mm. you weren't in that position that will help form and shape new ideas of, mm. I don't know, visions that you would have to take the company to a different direction, maybe. That's true. That's true. And, and I think, I think the CEO that it can come in many forms and shape. Is, is it, is it a, a peacetime CEO or is it a wartime CEO? Right. So where are you in your business? Where do you want to go? And I also know that because I've, my, my experience in the corporate world has actually given me a chance to work with quite a number of different CEOs in, in, in Hong Kong, in Singapore, in, in many companies in Singapore per se. And I've observed some very visionary CEOs. And some, and some very stable CEOs, and of course some very peaceful, and very some CEOs that will win win, win the UN, UN Peace Prize, for example. So, so I think maybe because I've seen so many CEOs, I do notice, I do observe that being a CEO is no fun. The the the, the <laughs> fun the fun, because you are in in a way you and, and it's a challenging job, right? You need to drive the vision. You need to. To to you're you're actually the mascot for the company, right? And you need to also be fair. And you cannot. You need to sometimes be be. You need to find ways to to drive your company through. And sometimes what you may need to do may not be what you like, right? Like for example, having have, uh, meeting people you don't want to meet, or going for meetings that you don't want to go, etc. etc. So that's maybe that's why I've always um, enjoyed the role. As more of a supporting supporting function rather than the the head in a way, so. Mm. So so in what ways do you think that mindset and mentality is informing you mm. to disqualify you for that? And whereas maybe if you actually did it, you would really enjoy I, it. I could enjoy it. I I think it's really not the mindset per se, more like a choice at this juncture. But of course, if I were, you know, uh, push comes to shove, if I were pushed to the CEO role, then I think things would be different, right? So, yeah. yeah. And, and, I, and I think maybe to just put things in perspective, it's if you were to ask me, would I want to do it? The answer would be no. But if I were, ha if I had to do it, would I do it? The answer is yes. If I had to keep the company alive, you know, right? Mm. This is a very interesting mm. topic because I remember when I was back in Zalora, mm -hmm. Vietnam, 
right? So I was responsible for starting the operations from scratch. Mm. And, and very important, like operations probably has one of the biggest departments. So I had to hire all the direct reports for all the different functions yeah. from production to warehouse to inbound, outbound inventory to retouching to a customer service, building that from scratch. Mm. Right. And I, I very remember when I was leaving Zalora, mm. I had asked the head of CS. Mm. Uh, she was mm -hmm. a mother. Right. So she had two yeah. kids, different, different, a very challenging position as a mother because one of her child had disability. Okay. And she, you know, she sounds like you. She sounded very hesitant to take a leading role for some mm. reason, but I just kept pushing her and, and mm. you know, eventually she hesitantly took mm. it, but she kind of rose to the occasion. She became an amazing mm. leader of, you know, leading all of the operations. Mm. <coughs> Excuse That's me. Yeah. And then now, now she's been like, you know, being a country head as basically acting CEO for many different kinds mm. of ventures from, from there forward. So, you know, so maybe, I don't know, wouldn't discount yourself. Mm. And I, and I think it's, it's actually quite interesting for you to say, because I think if you look at it, most, most, most people that can do it usually try to shy away from it because maybe they know that it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to be, too, it's going to be a heavy burden, et cetera, et cetera. And maybe, maybe, et cetera, et cetera. But I, I think overall, I think if we had to, I think we would rise to the occasion. So, yeah, I think yeah. so. I think what people are afraid of is the uncertainty. But in, in the process, in the journey, mm. if you are open-minded and allow yourself to grow and allow yourself to make mistakes and be authentic, mm. people often discover things about themselves they don't realize. And, and yeah. I think what's really important is we, two, two weeks ago, we had the CEO of Momentum Works on. So let's be very clear. Okay. This is not about sabotage. This Jorlin uh, <laughs> actually is the wife of the CEO. So, and I am good friends yeah. with the CEO. Uh, this is in no way uh, a means of you know sabotaging yeah. or anything. It's just more of an intellectual mm. exercise to, I think, more of a personal introspection kind of thing for you maybe to think about and the reason mm -hmm. why i kind of thought about this because you know i think jangan has the ceo of mentor works jangan your husband mm -hmm. he has mm -hmm. really big ambitions and mm -hmm. i see momentum works in its current form only as a part of the puzzle piece to a grander vision right? yeah. yeah and him by relinquishing some control and taking a higher level step maybe like a like a chairman level uh, would allow you to also further grow and allow things to run of the current business uh, streams and all the projects you guys have going on right now and allow him mm. to also dive into other things he's more interested in freeing up time to yeah. do like more venture building more focus like that so mm. it was just something i had thought about uh, and kind of wondering what you thought about that you know that's a very interesting interesting perspective i i would think that he he yes jangan actually the ceo of momentum works does have actually big visions and big dreams and i think if we were to to move on to bigger things i would be more than happy to to take up the role of some to fill his space if needed in a way yeah. look at that but we just yeah. we just we just sold to you the idea of you being ceo <laughs> and just a second ago you weren't even thinking of it exactly it's exactly done, that's guys. How, it's done guys that's, <laughs> that's how people work right so so i think i think that's how the human human mind works but and and in my sense that if i if 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 me becoming this year would could help uh, move things along, then yeah, that would be great. But of course, I wanted to. I would love. I would want it to be on a meritocracy uh, basis, meaning that I would want him to. Oh, I, I would want the company to to actually review uh, suitable candidates and make the the best choice. <laughs> that's uh, so. interesting. So that, that's a topic I want to talk about later. Mm -hmm. that's, but before we get to that, let's talk about. Yeah. Let's let's agree or disagree. This interview is important to highlight more women in tech and entrepreneurship and women in leading positions. Yes, definitely, yes. Okay, so Even, tell me about yes. that then. Why? Well, why, why? I, I think I think this is actually a, a topic that's quite close to, to my heart. And um, actually to, 
I think I think well, okay. So I'm Malaysian, and when I and when I was growing up, I didn't fake, really fake, get fake Malaysian. No, no, I'm a real Malaysian. I have a Malaysian passport. Okay. But you're in Singapore for how many years now? <laughs> I, <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. So, so, but I'm, but I'm a hardcore, true-blooded Malaysian. Mm. And I think when you when you're growing up, right? Because because I think the 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 government in Malaysia has done a good job to empower women. You don't really think much about it. It was only when in I Malaysia was, in Malaysia, yes. For okay. for people for people in my in my in my situation my in my bubble right, I, I don't speak yeah. for all women. So and and I think when I was growing up, I actually was actually quite greatly influenced by my my grandmother. My my grandmother actually came from China to Malaysia. She married my grandfather. Didn't speak English, but she managed to become a very to actually get into the politics of Malaysia. And she was one of the first female politicians. In for the、um, MCA, which is the Malaysian Chinese Association. Oh wait, wait, wait! Say, say that again. She was one of the first women politicians for the MCA. Hmm. In the MCA, yeah. And I think she was the one that who actually pushed for one one man one wife rule in Malaysia. Oh wow!、Yeah. Okay, wait. There's so there's so much to unpack here.、Yeah. So let's let's give some context to the audience.、Mm. So in, in the context of the, the、mm. time period. The politics. I mean, what's your your? This is your grandmother, right? My grandmother, yeah, my real. Okay, what what she what、mm. what she had to face,、mm. and then even pushing that idea of one、mm. man, one woman. Wait,、yeah. so there's so much going on. Wait,、mm. so what what is the context? What time period is this? I think it was the nine.、Um, I think it was the nineties for fifties.、Uh, I I would presume. I think Malaysia. So this is when Malaysia was just formed. Was just formed, maybe around nineteen fifties, nineteen sixties. My my and and I think、uh, she she decided to at that time she was a Chinese. And I think that time Malaysia was just formed maybe about five ten years after independence from 1957, and I think she was a teacher. She was she was actually a university graduate, but I think、okay. she realized that a lot of the women in Malaysia were not given the were actually being unfairly treated by the by the men by the men folks. Right. Okay. Being unfairly treated from what context? Social, religious, government, just the patriarchy. What are we talking about? I think I think patriarchy, social. Okay.、Uh, and I and I think she joined she joined the government she joined the the、uh, MCA, which was actually quite、uh, promising then. I I can't speak for it now. I, I mean, it's、yeah. it's one of the founding.、Mm. Political parties of Malaysia. It's、yeah. quite pivotal in how it formed the、mm. politics of what it is today, is, and、yeah. all the all the coalitions. Like if you read the history of Malaysia, it's this is like before the race riots or that that, that I wouldn't know. I think I think、yeah. I think these are it's around this time period、yeah, though. Yeah, around this time period. Yeah, yeah, right. And I think、okay. and I think Malaysia being an independent country did not have much、uh, foundations, didn't have much rules, and、uh, I think she decided to join the MCA representing the Chinese、yeah. the Chinese women. Okay. And, the Malaysian Chinese Malaysian Chinese Association representing Malaysian Chinese, and then I think she pushed through some rules reform to make it legally binding for one man, one Chinese man, to only have one wife. Okay, so this、mm. is for Chinese, and actually, no, this is quite common. So,、mm. like, all my friends in Malaysia, their great grandparents or grandparents,、yeah. they even one I know currently today has four wives still. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> having, having, so yeah. So, so, yeah. So, so I think that that was actually she was my inspiration because growing up, you、wow. you you just listen to this and you and actually the thing is that my grandfather was also a politician as well. So, oh wow! Yeah, he was、okay. also with the MCA. You come from lineage. I come from yeah, but but then the thing is that actually the secret thing is that my grandmother actually had a more senior rank than my grandfather in the pol in 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 the politics in MCA. Do you, 
Yeah. Do you know the story? Like, how does she convince all these dudes in the patriarchy to, I'm a woman, let me in, I'm going to push my agenda and policy, and I'm going to listen to you? No, I, I think... That's- I think it ran in silo because I think the women's and the men were, you know, separate. But I, I, I was young then. I didn't know. I didn't know okay. what questions to ask. And but but what what was very interesting were the stories that she told us when we were growing mm-hmm. up, saying that she she would ch- chuckle to us and said that you know she knew that she she made a bit more than my granddad, but she kept it to <laughs> herself because I think as a man in the in the family, you still need to you know make him make sure that he's the man of the house. But but deep down, I think she knew what she could do, and I think she, mm. uh, the, I think I think she would always complain that her only drawback was that she didn't speak English. Yeah, but she still, uh, she didn't okay. she didn't speak any English at all. Mm. Uh, grandmother, so she spoke Mandarin and a dialect, and probably Malay. And Malay, Malay. yeah, mm. and she managed yeah. to get through. So and, and she managed to. I was very proud of her because she would show us her the, the I think the 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 sultan giving her the her medal. You know, she has a she has a beautiful she has a photo of that at home. That's cool. Yeah, it's very cool. And I think she and my granddad had a photo together of both of them with their you know with them with their, they call it pankats in Malaysia the medal. Okay. And and all throughout it all, I think she she was always in a more senior position than my dad my granddad. But at home, she never she it never. She never let it, you know, rise above my granddad, mm. right? So, mm. and, and so I think maybe unconsciously, unconsciously, I think what, what it told me was that we can do great things, but we don't really need to really be out there, right? You know, right? So, that's, yeah. Yeah, that's, wow, that's such a fascinating mm. lesson. Like, in this day and age, yeah. can a woman produce more than a man and a man still feel whole? I think I think my granddad and my grandma had a really great relationship, and I think I I believe maybe maybe it may have gotten to my granddad maybe early in early days, but at the end of the end of the, I think I think be it in a in a relationship, be it at work, you just need to choose your battles, right? Yeah. Well, what what so yeah. right? So and I think the key thing is that what is the key goal? And uh, and I think nobody is telling me that oh you can't just go out there and shout that you can be CEO and you can do great stuff. But I just mm. I just feel like you don't need to be in that position mm. to get to do the work that you need to do, right? Well, I guess what you're telling me it's mm. like kind of like House of Cards. You're going to be the man behind the curtain, uh, pull the strings, and all the power is. That's also possible. That's also possible. Yeah, because because Interesting. It, because you, you just be, you, you don't need to have that title. To get the work done, anybody, I mean, th- this is what I learned from just observing my family. You can actually get a lot done, a lot more done if you can be in a comfortable position of your choosing, mm. and you have the resources at your hand. If you were put in the spotlight, maybe your hands are tied. Maybe. Very, right. Yeah, very, very subtle, but very powerful. Is that why you answered the way you answered for the first question? Is that tied together? Maybe, I wouldn't. I mean, maybe, huh? maybe yeah, maybe. I, 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 I wouldn't know. Yeah. This is all sub- subconscious, right? So it could be. Yeah. It could be very much. And I think for me, right, I, the the reason why I joined the startup world is because I wanted to find some meaning. I wanted to find a purpose. Mm. I wanted to also. I didn't join the startup to to bring more women into tech. I joined the startup because I wanted to experience it first. And I wanted to find more, more, yeah, more passion. Okay. And it was only along the way that I realized that I saw a lot more young people, especially young ladies, 
who who maybe were in my shoes, maybe like maybe a few years ago, not sure of themselves, not confident,、mm. or maybe they were just comfortable where they were to do what they had to do to get ahead, right?、Mm. So so I think my my role, what I what I have actually crafted up for myself is that I just want to give the the people, be it men or or or, 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 or women, the opportunity to to just have a space to 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 showcase what they can do. And just to prove to themselves, yeah. yeah. Can Can you expand upon that more? Where you said women who are young、mm. and unsure, what What would they need to do to get ahead? You said they need to do what they don't know what they need to do, or something like that. Or, or what What are you trying to like?、Mm. What are you trying to say that the you know younger women in that position?、Mm. Um, I, what is it? What is it they're not doing、mm. to help progress themselves personally and、uh, for the career as well? I, I think it's not just young women. I think in today's、uh, time and age, is young women, men and women, young men and women from different backgrounds. Is、okay. that is that? I think I think maybe based on their academic certification, they're not good enough. Maybe back, based on their background, they have not been given a chance to prove themselves. So here at Momentum Works, I don't give anybody an easy time. I I think I push everybody really hard. I but I think I do give everybody equal chance to try. And to、yeah. showcase what they can do, and and to also do do what I was I was given a chance by 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 Jiang Gan to、yeah. really prove that I can be a COO. When I first、yeah. when I first came to Momentum Works, I had no confidence whatsoever that I could do、uh, a startup because I come from a very like a、uh, you know professional corporate. corporate background, and I did tell Jiang Gan. Why don't you let me in as an intern? Let me try for a few months, and if I if I do well, why don't you give me a proper place in your company? I never asked to be the CEO. I never asked for it.、Yeah. I was going to ask that、yeah. question, like how much nepotism was involved, but it clearly it sounds like、uh, you were willing to put the work in and prove yourself. So that's、uh, to to be very honest, I did play the wife's card. You know, this is in, to get <laughs>、okay. in. Well, you, you yeah, to get in, yeah. To get I in. mean, I I think that's fair. You got to、yeah. use every advantage. Yeah. You have, but at the same time, you can't creating or just, you're destroying value, right? Exactly. So, yeah. 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 No, no but I think that, that's a、yeah. fair way to get in, though. <laughs> yeah, I just play my my wife's card to say that, and 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 to say that I want. I mean, you can play the wife's card, you can play the friend's card, you can play the sister's card, you can play the brother's card. If you have that card, play it because life is not 100 fair. Okay. Right. Yeah. But once you're in, but it, the most yeah, important thing.、Mm-hmm. But the most important thing then is like, how do you control the cultural aspect of the company of the employees?、Mm. Not you. You are comfortable of saying that you're going to use your advantage, and I, I think that's kind of fair、mm. for anyone, even if they're、yeah. rich or they're power or whatever, right?、Uh, but the thing is, people will have a moral high ground over you to lord it over you、yes. in a certain situation if they're not mature enough to really understand the delineation. Or sometimes maybe it is relevant、mm. where they say, "Oh, you're the wife." Yes. So how do you handle that from a cultural aspect then? I don't tell anybody that I'm the wife. Not everyone knows it, though. Come on, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, let's let's be realistic. Yeah, I don't know. Not not many people. Only only close friends, and only when people have gotten into the company, and after a while, then then I think it, it comes out、uh, naturally. Otherwise, I don't purposely say that I'm I'm the wife. But I do I do I do hold myself to a higher moral high ground because I have to, because、mm. in particular because I am the wife of the CEO. So I don't want to be in this position because I'm the wife of a CEO, and that's why when you ask me if I were the C- 
CEO of Momentum was what would I do? I hesitated because maybe I don't want to be the CEO of Momentum. Maybe I want to be the CEO of some other company, which has no, mm. which has no uh, linkage to to my husband. But then it yeah. sounds like there's some some mm. lingering baggage. Has anyone used this against you before? No, nobody. But but it's just your moral. Is it because they're afraid of you? Maybe. Uh, maybe, but I maybe. I, I wouldn't know this one. This one you can. I wouldn't know. But I, I think that I do pride myself in the sense that there shouldn't be any baggage that people can use against me, or use. Yeah, because the thing is that I pride myself on my work, and that's why I said I only used it uh, a few times. One of them was to get into the startup world. No. And then after that, you need to prove yourself, right? Because because yeah. I would be very. It would be very unfair, not just to me, but also to 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 my husband. If he were uh, known to be giving out favors to True. his friends, right? And why would why would he do that? He's a very this is his company, this is his baby, right? So yeah. so I do I do have to work harder to prove that I'm I'm I, I deserve to be here, and and I think after three years I believe that I believe that I, I I have proven my worth, and this is what I want to give to younger people the chance to prove their worth. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So I mean, like mm. from from an outsider perspective, I'd have to agree. You know, mm. you've definitely grown into the role. But I would I would urge you to question your hesitation. Then, mm. if a person should have no baggage, no fear, mm. and you've done everything right, then you should not hesitate to answer that question. Mm. Mm. <laughs> right. It's, it's so a, dig, yeah. dig dig a little deeper. Maybe maybe yeah. there's something there that's still lingering maybe, that you don't maybe. know subconsciously. Yeah. Yeah. So let's let's put on your thinking cap mm. for your be, of being a woman mm -hmm. in the corporate world and being mm. in the startup world. What are the experiences that are unique to you as a woman in these spaces and what can you share what can I share between both worlds and being a woman and being a woman I okay in the corporate world I was there for 10 years and I loved it because I think I was with a few companies the MES AXA Hong Kong HSBC Singapore it I think the corporate world has actually evolved a lot and in terms of people's culture and I actually were I've I was respected. I was given the opportunity to to prove myself, and I was rewarded ac uh, accordingly. Right? I think about fifty to sixty percent of people in, in the corporate world are actually women as well. So you do get to meet lots of uh, women leaders and women mentors. I believe. I think there was once when there was a one time in where about where I was a management associate in Hong Kong, where seven out of nine of my bosses were women. So I have been. Oh wow! Uh, yes, okay. yes, and strong women as well. Strong, powerful women, and and very smart ladies as well. The CEO was a man. Okay, so I do. I, so again, again, <laughs> this this kind of like uh, past history comes up, and you realize that, okay, it's it's okay. I see. I see what's happening. Okay, I I, I may not want to be the CEO for this, but anyway. So so the thing is that back in Singapore, HSBC Singapore, same same story. You know, inspirational leaders, women, that with families, you see. People getting you see ladies who are pregnant working until their last day of labor. Sounds sounds like someone I know at home yeah. here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> who who would do that? Okay, uh, and 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 being respected, being respected yeah. by by their by colleagues, right? Mm. And it was good. It was it was a very good place. Then then I decided to give a startup a try. Okay, and and okay, but before that, I think just to backtrack a bit, and I, it was all the way up to uh, middle management. Senior management is a different ball game, right? So um, this is just my experience no. in, in junior and middle management. And then I think in senior management, I think it it could be the same story as a startup, where most of the leaders are men. 
Right. And, and so still still very much a bro culture. Still still a very bro culture. And but but I think in the startup world, I think I was I think the first few the first year or so, especially when people knew that I was the CEO's wife, I was mansplained so often. Mansplained so uh, often. Give give me one example. Give me the worst example you could think the of. Worst, What's, what stands out? The worst example. I, I think the the worst example was 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 somebody that had joined joined us. I won't name the position. I won't name the name. A senior position, mm-hmm. right? And then I was pointing out to him that he had made some some you know very questionable errors uh, or judgment in in Excel. And then he went on off to which was actually impacting the strategy of the company. And he went off to mansplain me. To tell me that, come on, Yolin, you can't really nitpick over little things when it is. And I think, and he was saying that I, I should have the judgment to make certain mistakes here and there. And you're not giving me the respect that I need as a, a CXO. I won't name the, the the name. And I was just shocked. You know, here, here, mm. here. I, this would never happen in a corporate world where I would tell you facts that this is wrong. Um, can you explain this to me nicely? By the way, very nicely. And then I get told back as a little kid that I'm nitpicking, and then I don't know mm. what I'm doing, and I should respect your judgment as a CXO. So okay, yeah. So where where where's the line between mansplaining and constructive actual feedback? I think the mansplaining is not feedback to begin with. Mansplaining is somebody just talking to down to you to tell you things mm-hmm. without actually asking. Uh, or asking for feedback to know whether or not mm-hmm. is that is that a question you don't know or what is the issue that that mansplaining is just telling you just like I'm telling you Alex how you should be running this podcast, you know. But it's in a, is is this in a context that where gender is relevant or are we saying a taking a broader definition? Of- I, unfortunately, I think my experience so far has many has always been with men. Mm. Uh, I do. I do have and, uh, female female colleagues or and female peers. They actually do take time to, like you, ask, find out. You know what is the issue? What do you? Mm. What's going on? Is there something? This is just general respect. You know, don't don't mm-hmm. assume. Ask and then and 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 treat people with just respect, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Because what I understand is, it would have to be rooted in a subconscious or conscious belief that. And me as a like maybe it's not the person doesn't realize it, but as a man, they feel the need to explain something to you because you might be inferior due to your gender, right? Whether they realize it or not, mm. and they're 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 trying to explain things without you know the context yeah. or the questioning mm. to, to be dismissive, right? Mm. So I'm kind of just wondering, mm. like you know, like could could you dissect between what percentage is your your mentality where you're being defensive that it might be that case, mm. and and maybe sometimes it actually might be relevant, or maybe it's a mix mm. where it's both. Right, mm. so could you actually see the difference where there might be some other points, but he's still doing the man's? I, I think my experience is that because I can't give. I think I think it's not like so often that it becomes like a, I can actually start you know noting down the statistics. Yeah. But but I think I think it's actually most people that I see they try it once or twice. They do it especially when they know that I'm the wife of the CEO. That's why I make it a so mm. so actually being the wife of a CEO is actually is, is a discrimination actually because pe- so so there are cases yeah. people using it against you but more mm. in a subconscious yeah, yeah, way probably yeah, yeah. so I, that's what that's another reason why I it is in my benefit not to tell people 
and try to prove myself. But I think, sir, you know, and this that's why I think sometimes I'm actually I I actually hold myself and other people to a higher standard. And I think after the first man, first the, after the first mansplaining incident between any one person, I think they get a scolding, or they get quite a harsh rebuke, and I think then they tone down, because I think this is this mm. could be the way that you know people work in. Yeah. No. Mm. Well, well, I'm not gonna man- mansplain your your leadership choices <laughs> and style. Okay. But I, I would, well, I always give people a chance to think about another possible mm. way. Yes. Right? So this is not me trying to explain one thing or another. Yes. You know, uh, if, if if you feel a strong rebuke is in the best interest for that person and the right response and the timing and for the culture and for your leadership style, okay, I won't question that. But I, I would say maybe try owning it. I don't know. Who cares if you're the wife's CEO? Why why let that it be an issue where you need to hide it? I would just own it as a fact. And if people can't deal mm. with it, you know, that this is some it's something that you're open and authentic mm. about. And if it cut, if you feel it's coming, it comes up mm. because of that. I would say, if this is the issue, mm. let's put it aside because this is not the case. Mm. And I would just, I don't know, I would just own it. You know, I feel people mm. these days. You know, like another example I would use is like, you know, a lot of people, a lot of wealthy people get into startups, mm. and they're trying to be have this image of a poor founder, mm. but they're clearly not. Like privileges, they're reeking of privilege. Yeah. I don't know. Just own the fact oh, that you're privileged. Let, you know, you have let, advantage. Let me, let me, you know, yeah. and I, I would respect let, you more. Let, let you me, know? let me, let me uh, set things straight. I own it. Okay, I, I'm, I'm very proud yeah. to be the wife. The thing is that, mm-hmm. but I think at work, I don't publicize it. I don't deny it. Right. Yeah, you shouldn't lower I, it. Yeah, yeah but yeah. but if somebody asks me, I would say yes, it is. But I don't bring mm-hmm. it out on purpose to say that. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, so I so see, so, so don't get me wrong. I do own it. I'm not. Yeah. 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 It's a delicate balance it's, it's for you. A, and I think it's the same, you know. So let's say, for example, it would, because I think the thing is that you, people are prejudiced by nature, especially people who are new. Yeah, right? of course. And uh, you yeah. want people to see you for who you are and not who you are related to. I'm not saying, I think I'm not saying that, I'm not saying that I'm, 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 I'm hiding it, but I'm just saying that I can I can also be this wife. I can also be my own person, and I choose mm. and I'm choosing in certain situation to to be my own person, right? Without without the yeah, strings, yeah. yeah. The strings are there. I just don't want to show. I don't I don't want to I don't want to 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 showcase to the world that I I do not like holding my my husband's hands in public because as much as <laughs> I, as much as I love him, I, I really do. As uh, much as I professional, yeah, it's, it's just being professional. Exactly, just being professional. Just like yeah. just like let's say in my previous my my last my last project, I was I was good friend with the CEO. But it does not yeah. mean, that does not mean that I make a show and tell of it, saying that hey, we're really mm. good buddies, and I've known him for so yeah. many years. You don't do that, right? Okay, let's say he's okay. At, at this at this project, I mean, I'm working with about a uh, hundred other people. I put on a professional front. I, t- I tell yeah. I, I do I don't tell people I know him for a very long time unless I'm asked. But I do use it to my advantage when I need to. Mm. Right, it's the same thing, right? Mm. Yeah, no, mm. I mean, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. And, you know, I think what's really important mm. of what a lot of people in startup and tech, what they don't talk about is mm. the complexities of dealing with identity mm. and how those issues inform how you behave and your leadership style, right? Mm. You as a woman, you as a wife, you as a leader, mm. uh, me as a minority coming from America, being even more of a minority coming to Asia, I'm never literally accepted anywhere, even though I look and feel the same. Yeah. Right. So yeah. it's identity is something I think people don't bring up and how those really affect 
how you are as a leader and what that what that actually impacts and, and mm. how that could be fed into culture building, leadership, everything else, right? So mm. that's, a, that's a good, I think a good topic we covered. Anything else you want to add before we close this topic of women and tech and I, corporate world? And I think, I think the final thing about women and tech and leadership is that I think at the end of the day, just be yourself, just be true to yourself. Just as I am, right? And I think just as you are, Alex, because I've known you for a while, I think after a while there are many types of leaders and there's no like one size fit all. Right. And yep. there's also no one ideal like cookie cutter image of what a leader should look like, be it a yep. yeah, right, right. So I think I think your experiences and your gut feel, the your gut sense uh, would always be what drives you. And I think that's why mm. you're in the in the startup space. Right. So so never question yourself. This is why I always tell myself. I, I never question myself. I mean in a sense like do I have the capability? It's just that how it's more like how. Do you use your capability mm -hmm. to achieve things? So it's more like the how rather than the yeah the, the yeah. to 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 get things done. Well, it's it's mm -hmm. it's it's like while this topic is near and dear to your heart uh, because it's a part of your identity, mm. it's not what you lead with, and it's not what necessarily defines you completely. Mm. Which you, which you know, ties back to your answer yeah. earlier about the anecdote of your grandmother and your answer to the first question. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's mm. not necessarily. It's, it's it's just you need to be you, yes. and while it is part of you, accept that and work with yes, it. Yes, exactly. No, totally, totally, exactly. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Trying to balance all that. That's a challenge. It could weigh on your psyche, and you may not realize it. Yeah. So it's, I think it's good to talk about. Let's let's let's, let's move to the next topic. Yes. Anything interesting from school in the UK? Because. I also studied there, and I found out we are both alumni of the London School of Economics. Oh, we, okay. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Well, I mean, you more so. I just did a general course program, but mm. they still consider you alumni. They take credit for anyone who's been successful, <laughs> right? So. Uh, that's what schools do, um, yeah. Okay. So, I, I mean, to, to set the... Okay. My, I think my school ride, I think it has to start from my college. So, I did my college at, in Malaysia, in KL. I, I'm sure lots of. I actually got it. It was still around. It's still around. I think it's still around. I think. I think it's still around. I'm, I'm joking. Yorlin is a little bit older, so the reason why I care about asking because I, I know back then things were different in the UK. Mm. So I, I'm curious, and also in Malaysia. So I'm kind of to hear mm. what the experience was like. Yes, yes. My, I think, I think, and I went to. I actually first went to Wales for three years. It was okay. before I went to London. Oh, nice. London. So I think that was actually a very nice transition because um, actually. Why I went to Wales was because I actually got a. Actually I actually I was supposed to study chemical engineering. That's why. That's oh, why. Okay. That's why I went to uh, Swansea. It's a small town where I, Swansea. Swansea, where Catherine Ziza Jones is from. Yeah. Oh, is it? What? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so they, random. It is, it is. She's cool. And, and I think over there, I decided that I don't want to do chemistry. And I actually changed to actuarial science. So same, same as Seek. Seek also did actuarial science as well. Seek Hall, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Episode 12. Episode 12, yeah. yes. Okay, see, uh, and I think I loved my time in Wales because uh, that's when you actually... Um, for the first, your first time that you're away from your family. And uh, that's mm. where you also identify your... Your, yourself as a person, right? Yeah. yeah. And I didn't, I didn't study really hard. I, 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 but I was Asian, so I think it was, nice. but I was Asian, so I was easy, it was easy to actually get past it. I, I, I really experimented <laughs> with life there. It was cool. And I had very interesting experiences there in terms of but the people, in terms of my, my friends, in terms of the relationships I built there, et cetera, et cetera. And in terms you, of teachers you, as okay. well. Yeah. Then you, you can't, you can't, but you can't say, 
start with that without giving us a, an interesting life story then, right? <laughs> uh, it sounds like you did something crazy. Uh, next episode, next episode, maybe. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I was young then. I was younger then, yeah. Then, then, then I think I, I, I decided that, I think the ambitions kicked in and I realized that I don't want to become, same as Sikh, I don't want to be a, I don't want to just jump into the actuarial profession. I just thought it was very dry. So I decided to give London a try. So I went to okay. so so I went to LSE. I make it sound like it's so easy. I went to LSE. Yeah. Is it a transfer? No, no. It was a it was a master. I went. To, I, I, oh, a master. I, I got okay. in. I okay. got in as a master. I, I think. I think most most people they they not they, when they're young. I think. I mean, for for people yeah. in my in in my cohort, we usually don't have enough self confidence about ourselves. So you're always thinking, "Am I good enough? Am I am I going to make it? This and that." And then miraculously, miraculously, you use the word miraculously, even though you, you deserve it, you get in, right? And, and I think London was actually a, a very different uh, experience where I think that's when I realized that, oh, wow, this is what society is like. Fast, it's, it's, Come, yeah, yeah. it's, it's fast, it's actually very materialistic and it's also very mm. uh, competitive. And uh, peop people yeah. respect you more if you have money and if you dress well. Yeah, in a way. Uh, it's a big city thing, it's a big I guess. City and thing. you're coming from... Well, you grew up in Seremban. Seremban, yes, yeah. So that's uh, about an hour outside of Kuala Lumpur. Yes. I guess you could say it's fair to say it's small town. Small town, still is, yeah. S -s -s somewhat country girlish, I guess, and you go to Wales. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. It's a, it's a, it's a nice bubble, right? It's a nice transition, like yeah. what I said. Yeah. And, then, and then London must have been shocking London then. was, I think London was not, not as much shocking as uh, a realization like, oh, okay. So this is what you need to be in order to uh, survive in a big city, and then you make and then mm. you make a choice: Do I want to be in a big city, or do I want to be a country in in the countryside in a way? And and then I decided I wanted a big city. I wanted to be in a big city. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So that that experience helped shape, which I guess that you know that really sets you up for your your future choices, I guess, because later on you jumped for, uh, back straight to Singapore instead of Malaysia, Singapore. then Hong Kong, yeah, Hong right? Kong, so yeah. I, I guess that I guess that that must have been part of the experience. It, is, it, it um, was, yeah. Mm. What what was the zeitgeist back then for students in the UK? What, is, what was was there, did everyone did everyone want to be bankers? Did everyone like what was everyone trying to do, or what was the mentality? Was like what, what was the feeling of the time? Okay, so I'm going to reveal. I think this will reveal a bit of my age. That was in 2005, when when around when I graduated, 2005. So some of you may mm. have been born. Some of you were still, you know, in in school. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not. It's okay. Yeah. You look you looks like you're 20 oh, still. Thank it's you, fine. thank you. So so at that time, everybody wanted to become investment bankers join a Still, investment okay. bankers consultants corporate consultants mm. or you wanted to join a big banks or or, or join an investment house now, these were the only four no. choices that you wanted okay. to have it's still the same because i think as long as it's asian as long as you're around asian people fresh graduates even today i think there's always this element of like um not making sure you don't actually disappoint your parents making sure you you mm. give a, a positive roi on your investment that they have actually, you know, <laughs> given to you for school. Yeah, so I yeah. think I think for the first few years, or, the, or your first one or two, first job or second job, young people, young Asian people would go for these career choices. And what what would you recommend now to kids these days? I would still. You may be disappointed in my answer, but I would tell you you should still go for these kind of big corporations first before you decide to jump into a startup. Oh man, oh man, you know that. Yeah, uh, that you know I would disagree with that, but. <laughs> I think in my three years here at Women in Works, I've seen young people joining, 
and I've seen young people leaving, right? That, and I've actually had mm. the benefit of working in a corporate. What I observe is that, as you know, a startup is actually very messy, it's very ambiguous, and there's actually no structure. There's very little structure, for, especially for the smaller startups, right? And it's actually very agile. Somebody with no training on how to process this information will find it very hard to thrive in a startup. Sometimes, sometimes mm. having one or two years like structured experience in a corporate, a, a big corporate that can actually train you up, tell you what's right, what's wrong, puts you in a very good position to, to, to do whatever you want to do in the future, be it in a corporate or a startup. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I would say it comes down to personality. Mm. Startups are not for everyone. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think if you're in a position where uncertainty really scares you and paralyzes you and you don't thrive, mm. a different kind of environment might make sense. Mm. Uh, and there are in-between yeah. still, you know, you could join a more well-funded, larger startup, yeah, right? Yeah. You could join, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's black or mm. white, so I, I could see what you're saying. But at the same time, you know, the caveat is you might also pick up some things that from corporate that might not be very suited to uh, startup world if you have that background. When people find it hard to adjust, you know, mm. there's a risk aversion, too much processes when it's necessary, yeah. maybe not, maybe taking too little risk when it's necessary or maybe... Yeah. Uh, so I mean, like, I think there's trade-offs. Uh, there's there's right. trade-offs. There, yeah, there's some good things. Yeah. Some, but yeah. but I think so. I think the key thing is that if after the training, you need to unlearn some of the things that you mentioned, Alex, yeah. and new and and be able to learn new things. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean that 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 was mm. one of Barry Diller, very famous entrepreneur from the U.S. Uh, media empire and a bunch of internet companies. Mm. His his greatest teaching I learned from him listening to his his episodes on podcasts was learning to unlearn. Learning to unlearn, yes. Uh, every time every time he started something new, he just had to unlearn everything yeah. to relearn. Yeah, exactly, exactly. To, in order to be successful. Mm. So that that's a massively important skill to keep in mind if you want to join the startup world. And I, I found that very profound. It is, it know? is. Yeah. Um, and, and it's basically what you're yeah. saying, you know, you can't just take everything. There are certain foundations you have probably, but you have to also unlearn exactly, some things to yeah. be successful. So I think that's the caveat, I mm. guess, if you want to do that path. Yeah. yeah, but, you know, I'm always in, 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 the, in the camp of, you know, if you want to learn to ride a bike, you know, you don't study aerodynamics and engineering. You just ride the bike. I know, so, I know. But, the, but that's, again, I'm more biased. I have that background of, of just diving into things and trying to figure it out and, and somehow coming on top sometimes. I, right, so. I think most people love that. It's just that some people can't deal with it. And I've seen so many, yeah, I've correct. seen so many people. Yeah, they, they flounder. They flounder. And, and, and you don't want to be in a situation where you're floundering and, and, and your boss will tell you, Alex, I'm very sorry. I think I needed a you go it's 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 not a good place to yeah. be so you might as well well right. it's yeah mm. it's, it's a failure on both sides one one is I mean, when you're young, it's hard to know yourself. Yeah. You don't have enough experience and challenges to, mm. to figure out through choices who you mm. are. On the flip side is if the boss is setting you up for failure, man, that's completely on the leadership side, mm. the management side. And, and both have to meet in the middle to kind of make these things that's work. True, right? That's true. Yeah. So, so, I mean, it, it's, it's a combination. It takes two to tango. Mm. And I think both, both sides have to own up to mm. that and understand the contributions to that, any issues that come mm. up, hopefully to find a win-win situation. Sometimes it's splitting up. Sometimes it's finding the right... Yeah role and path for you right? on, on that note i'm not sure whether you know that my first career was with my first two years with, was with the government the M, the monetary mas, MAS yes yes and, uh, yes, and monetary authority of monetary singapore authority, yeah and i think i think that was when i very interesting experience very very challenging and i think after two years like it's similar to what you said i realized that this is actually not for me and uh, but i was very mm. grateful to actually go through the two years of incredibly structured experience to figure out yeah. Well, this is the Singapore government. Mm. 
do you have any idea what it's like in other countries governments like malaysian government is is, is with singapore I, I feel somehow more efficient yeah. on, in certain ways it, of course i'm sure there's a bureaucracy still in red mm-hmm, tape it's big mm-hmm. right but i'm sure like they managed to run singapore fairly well for the past few decades mm-hmm, right yeah. and is, is that your your take and your experience there like it's at least pretty efficient or what, what is it like working in the government for singapore of course you know? oh they they take in the smartest of the smartest people there it's like the creme de la creme. okay so that's one thing they, they, do, they well. do very well yeah. there and they but not everybody can thrive in this in the regulatory world because you need to have a certain mindset that you need to see long term. You need to assess the the risks, right? And oh, before before we mm, continue, what is the MAS Monetary Authority of Singapore? Of Singapore? Yeah. What do they do? They yeah. what, they what do govern. They do? Oh, so so they govern the the financial institutions, the banks, the insurance. They set finance yeah. policies. They also push out the innovation in the financial sector, etc., yeah. etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything relating to fi- financial related services. Per se. Is it the same as like the Ministry of Finance? Or? It's different. I think Ministry of Finance control, okay, controls different. the money. MES is actually more like a pseudo uh, government organization. A bit like the Hong Kong okay. MA, a bit like the OJK in Indonesia, a bit like, yeah, etc. Okay. etc. So, so um, I think the two years that I spent in, in the MES, I, I disagree with you, Alex, because I, I feel that just like if, you know, if I were to just jump straight into a startup at the age of the tender age of tw- 22. 22, yes, 22. <laughs> That's what I did. I, that's what exactly what I did. I, I think I think I would flounder because I'm not. I'm not. It's mm. just like when we we were okay. discussing before this started, right? I is it is it a natural instinct or is it a habit? How do you do you form it, right? Yeah. So for you, I think it's yeah. na- it's a nature, right? For Jangan, it's nature. Yeah. For me, it's nurture. So for me, for me, mm. the two years at MES was actually a nurturing, uh, but a bit, a bit, yeah. a bit, a bit painful nurturing experience where I realized that oh wow, so these are the things you need to consider to mm. run. Um, a country, one policy line in one, country, one policy, yeah. one, cool. po- one policy uh, can actually take months and months of debate just to get it through. I mean, like p- p- part of it is politics and bureaucracy, yeah. but at the same time, I think the butterfly effects of a government making a decision actually affects actual exactly. lives. Like it could destroy, it could destroy exactly, things. Exactly. So I mean, I, I think. And I mean, I think that's a fair point. Mm. Like, I, I think that's where I failed as a leader too many times, where I could see the potential and talent. Mm. I, I I know the path. Yeah. Like, if, if it's nurtured correctly, mm. but the problem is the nature of a startup. You do have to throw people in the, de- in the yeah. deep end, and then you set them up for yeah. failure. Where whereas, like, if you took a more structured approach, and assuming at the the, the, the ventures at the right time where they could afford mm. that, you could have last. You could have brought out more exactly. talent in a better kind of more productive mm-hmm. way. So yeah, it's, it's I think it's recognizing mm. the full picture of that person and. It really helps that person also has a better understanding of themselves. That's true. If not, you're kind of making judgment calls as a leader for them, and it's mm. a lot of experimentation that you might get right or that's, wrong. That's right? true. That's true. So, so at the, at the end, instant of my time at MES, I had a very, I had a mentor actually who came up to me and said, "Yolin, just because you don't, you're not doing well at the MES, does not mean that you can't flourish other in other places." Oh, so you weren't doing well. <laughs> I hate it. it. It shows, it shows. And, uh, okay, I'm, I'm just being okay. candid since this is a startup, right? And, That's fine. And I think yeah. that was the most insightful advice that I took, that I got from her. Soon after, I actually tendered and I found a place yeah. in Hong Kong. I found AXA Hong Kong. I joined, I joined AXA yeah. Hong Kong. And then I saw a whole different world. Then I realized that, oh, wow, mm. I'm doing very well here. Actually, I did very well there. Interesting. And, and it's like, and yeah. it's like my skills at MES, I had to unlearn a lot of them. But there were some foundations that I took with me that actually helped me get through, 
So okay, since, let's yeah. let's let's discuss that. What what did you keep and what did you unlearn? I think what I kept was the what I unlearned was actually the 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 maybe the very the over the the overarching analysis, the the amount of you know documentation, the prim and properness. But I think what what say mm-hmm. what stayed was actually the fact that you still need to you still need to have an image to upkeep. You have to have that. The, you know, MES actually trains you up to be mm. the, the 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 role model for society, and that 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 Im- oh, and that okay. and, and that image when you go out, right? You're prim, you're proper, you're prim, you're proper, and you're always trustworthy, and you're always that. That mm. was the key thing that I kept. Um, so that's like kind of some type of social signaling, yes, yes. right? In, in that world, it makes yeah. sense. And if you fast forward that to the startup world, does that still stand? But maybe it in does. a different way. It does. And in what ways then? So do you have to dress down on purpose? Do you have to be more like in a, like, you know, what, what is the startup world going to respect not, from you, right? If you wear mm-hmm. a suit and talk to them, they're not going to listen, It's not right? the clothing per se. It's actually how is your, is your, yeah. is your persona. It's actually how you okay. communicate. It's actually, and very importantly, I think not, may, some people may not have noticed, is actually the culture you bring with you. The fact that the, fact mm. that the, the, moral, the, the moral compass that you actually take yeah. So, like, for example, moral compass is that I would never throw any one of my employees under the bus. Even, in, even, yeah. even when I was in Hong Kong, even in Singapore, when I joined the, cor- in the corporate, this is something that you would never do. Something that, another thing is that yeah. you would be honest. You may not be, you would not tell them everything, but at least you would be honest. Okay. And, 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 yeah. and you would never, the, the, the normal stuff like backstab or, or, or try to yeah, make yeah, a, yeah. or try to just build, play politics, et cetera, et cetera. You, you, you build up yeah. your moral, um, compass. You, you, you build up what you want, you want yourself to be. Right. And I think that, that was actually the, and it's very unconscious because at, at MS you don't realize it until you leave. And then you realize yeah. that, oh, and then I think only, it was only after I finished my stint in AXA, you, you look back and said, hmm, actually I did a good job. I did a very good job at AXA, I, I believe. And, mm-hmm. and I, I enjoyed my time there. But then you also, and then you realize that your time at MES was actually your foundation to set you up for the future. Yeah. Yeah. So, so basically, what you're saying is you had to unlearn the too much rigid process that's tied to a big government, which is needed yes, for the government. Yes, which is needed. Yeah. And then you you had what you carried through was this idea of you know your your, your you know, how people perceive you is very important, and how you hold your, yourself up also feeds into how you your believe principle. in yourself. And your principles. Your principle. Yeah. yeah. And the carrying those yeah, values. Yeah. The principles forward. will dic- yeah. dictate how you how you carry yourself. Yeah. The yeah. principles. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, that's a, that's a very good exercise mm. on, you know, for a person taking this route or anyone changing, mm. you know, you got what, what should you keep and what yeah. you should unlearn? Maybe it depends on your environment, mm. of course. And I think that that lesson that your mentor taught you is massively p- pivotal as, as a leader yeah. to learn because when, when things don't work out and there's conflict, it's you, you as a leader or manager should not necessarily just blame that mm. person. I mean, one, you hired yeah. that person, right? That's, that's yeah, your fault. Yeah. But, but secondly, it's, it's probably because, Maybe they're suited for a different mm. role. Could be within the same company, or maybe it's just a different industry or different yeah. thing. Doesn't mean they're a bad person. Period. Exactly. Right? Yeah. They're just going to be successful somewhere else, which yeah. is, I think, important in, in that you know the leadership and management mm. growth to to kind of understand that and mm. learning how to communicate that uh, effectively is very totally, critical. Yeah. Spot on. Yeah. Right? Mm. Okay. So what, what qualifies you to say you were good at AXA because you, you went through a management training program for about two plus years, yeah. which you know, did a lot of rotations, I'm assuming, I'm guessing. And then after that, you jumped into another role, but then nine months yeah, you left. No, the, the, I think, yeah. So what qualified me to say that I, 
I think I think first of all is usually the the feedback from 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 your managers. So that that, that mm. was where I had the seven seven female managers as well. And I also mm. had in Hong, in Hong Kong, Kong. I also had very strong male mentors and, and bosses. What what I did mm. well was that actually you can it's it's, it's actually quite um, self evident. You know, you do well in your in 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 your in in your program. You get the acknowledgement. You get promoted, and and you also build the the, the friendships and the trust, and people trust you. And people want to give you work to do, as compared to the others. So, mm. were 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 those signals important for personal? I mean, I think career growth. Mm. Uh, I think in the corporate setting, those are important signals, right? If you're looking specifically in the corporate structure at the client, but in terms of personal growth and and becoming overall better. Was, were, were those signals good? Of course good? they were because it would tell you like and this is what I like about appreciate about corporate there's a structure to everything you know they would tell you, <laughs> you I, like like, I, like, I like structure I, I, won't, I, won't, I won't deny it they will tell you that okay this is the area that you did well these are the areas that you could improve on that, that, is, that is the more, more formal feedback and then of course are people willing to have lunch with you? Are people willing to tell you things that they wouldn't otherwise tell you? And because you're a management trainee right are people willing to teach you? things right mm. and the fact that people were willing to teach me and the fact that people were willing to have lunch with me the fact that I was actually invited for a few, quite a number of meetings sometimes to very nice mm. places it's an indication that the, the management trusts you and, and yeah. respects you and appreciates you it, in a sense it's, uh, you're talking about soft skills interpersonal skills relationship mm. building networking all these kind of things which apply also in a startup world it's, i mean yes but but it's actually more like the acknowledgement that you know uh, the soft, soft skills comes because people acknowledge your effort at work right because this is work right and this is a corporate it's a doggy dog world people won't really people won't yeah. really spend time to have lunch with you too often if they don't see value in hanging out with you uh, it's okay like we got to be mm. careful because you know in people might mistake this and think equate that hard work equals success mm. in corporate but that's no, not necessarily no, not. true yeah. right because it's, it's there's something more about you in what you were doing that people saw the valid beyond the hard work because you could work nine to five and you could still yeah. rise or you could work you know 12 hours exactly. a day and go nowhere yeah. in corporate right yeah. so it's it's a little bit it's a little bit it's more than a that, lot right? more than that i think i think people don't i think i think people don't really appreciate hard work hard work i don't i don't advocate hard work I, because usually I've seen people work really hard and then and then and then are stuck where they are. You need to work effectively, and you need to you need to know that you can't work by yourself. You need to work with the right people. You need to have the right the even even yeah. if you're not a manager, you still need to have the right team uh, around you to get things yeah. done. And you need to be have the soft skills to get somebody to tell you where to go. And you need to have somebody to. Yeah to stand up for you when people yeah. scream at in your face, which, which did happen yeah. as well. So, yeah. Well, see, see, there's a lot of caveats there. You're making it sound like you're breezing through corporate, but I think you're doing things that other people just don't yeah. naturally do. You're, you're better for the system, perhaps, which is where I probably mm. failed, right? There's no way I would pass an interview to Goldman Sachs or anything, because I would never get hired for that kind mm. of stuff. You know, so like, I, I think you had something there's more more to it, I'd say, and I think you know, by if you read in between the lines in your story, you could kind of probably piece it together of that, you know, that's why why you were success what what you say successful for AXA, yeah. right? And then so then what? I'm, I'm assuming you left to join HSBC for which is your very long right. stint, right? Six years uh, there, yeah, HSBC. 
Yeah, yeah six years. Why, why, did, why you did you leave? I leave? I think it was more for family reasons, and I wanted to be close to close to closer to home. I think my my grandmother yeah. was like getting a bit older then. I wanted to spend more time with her, and I think it was a really good decision. So I didn't think I would come back to Singapore after the MES, but I think. Oh really? Did you love Hong I Kong? I loved Hong Kong. It was so cool. I loved it really? so much. Really? Yeah. So, so I mean, given like the mm-hmm. value for for like money, like for like uh, for space you get and for mm-hmm. how much you pay, it's a lot less, right? Mm-hmm. And then, what did you love about it? The, like the freedom. Uh, I thought Singapore would be better quality of life. The freedom. The food. The freedom. Oh, yeah. the freedom. The, the freedom. freedom. Okay. The, the fact that you can get out of your house. The 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 stimulus you get in Hong Kong. You have you have energy, the energy vibe. The vibe. The people. I love the people in Hong Kong. The racetracks. The racetracks, the, 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 the proximity to Shenzhen. <laughs> uh, and, and people there were so much more engaging. I, I, think, I think if you just call... I Interesting. Think, I think people in Hong Kong are, are in two different camps. Either they like you and they really want to hang out with you and they teach you all the secrets of Hong Kong or mm. they just treat you like a foreigner. <laughs> so it's like, how, how do you actually okay. break into yeah. the... How you actually break into the, the first, first camp, right? And did you break I, in? Believe I did. I believe I did. So, but I, I, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't know, right? And, well, it's because. Yeah. But to be fair, you also you grew up speaking no, I Cantonese. I, you I did. Learned did you have to learn? I learned it in Hong Kong. Yeah, you learned so. it there. Okay, so you can speak with a Hong Kong accent. accent. I love it. Yeah. So Hong, uh, HSBC nice. was a really great transition to to continue my Hong Kong journey because HSBC stands for Hong Kong Shanghai yeah. Tech Corporation. So so. Yeah, yeah. Their presence yes, is very big in Hong right. Kong. So so I think I, I think. Before I go to HSBC, right, learning the language, I'm sure people have told you this, just, just making the effort to learn the local language made a big difference to, to me breaking into the first camp. Yeah. The fact that people realize that you're making an effort to, 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 mm-hmm. to learn the local language, and no matter how bad it is, they will, they will accept you more. Yeah. Actually, I think you were... Okay, no, yeah, you were working in Singapore for the time because mm-hmm. I, I, I did an internship in HSBC Vietnam. Oh, okay. <clears throat> And then the the guy I worked for eventually moved to HBC uh, Malaysia to be the managing director mm. there. So I mean, I think it's the t- it's about the time that you joined. He was in Malaysia, but I think I see. Yeah, that's yeah, cool. Yeah. It's a small world. Yeah, that's cool. And I think I think HSBC Singapore was was cool. Was a very was was I think the the one of the the second the first cornerstone. If if, it, if the first cornerstone was the MES, then the second cornerstone was HSBC. I think I think HSBC okay. is a, a fantastic place to work. Fantastic. I mean, the mm-hmm. benefits are great. Why, why is that? People are genuinely good, and 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 they and HSBC has this culture to hire in general, at least in Singapore, balanced people. Uh, I had the best mm. colleagues. Okay. I had the best. I had uh, really good bosses. Right, and I had I had a yeah. very good work-life balance. I mean, not not very good, but I had a very good balance when I didn't have to work. I did have to work long hours, though. So. Yeah. So what what exactly were you doing for HSBC? So I, I went in as an implementation person. Then I promote was promoted very quickly to not very quickly. I was promoted uh, to strategy, and then. Wait, what does that mean? Implementation, implementation means when somebody comes up with a, a, a product. So I was in the insurance line. So when somebody, somebody comes up with a idea okay. for insurance product, you have to implement it. So you have to mm-hmm. you have to work with all the different departments from underwriting, operations, the tech, product, actuarial, as well as the maybe the distribution side to roll mm-hmm. out a product. Right, and then mm-hmm. make sure it's uh, cool. it, it was pretty cool. Then I went into strategy. 
to figure out how do we, where should we be going? And then my final stint was product manager. I was promoted to product manager, which is actually in the sort of finance, financial world, the banking world. It's actually more like acknowledgement. You have become like a specialist in a way. You're like a, you're like a guru mm, for product. Okay. Yeah. You yeah. you get to order people okay. around. This. So yeah. so so you were doing insurance for a long time, mm, basically. Mm, mm. Yeah. 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 Okay. So me, me, and uh, my friend Kevin Hung, we we started an insurance podcast. We're definitely gonna have you on as a guest <laughs> soon, probably. <laughs> yeah. 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 Because he's he's he has some in, you know insurance tech mm. ambitions, and I guess his family business is probably one of the larger agencies oh, in Malaysia. So I feel like you know I'm sure you have a lot of yeah. opinions with this, but you know Insurtech in Malaysia and in, in Asia mm. in general is there's a long way to go in terms of innovation, a lot of opportunity mm. still, you know, and, and what we've seen in the past is just barely scratching that's the true, surface. So. Yeah. Yeah. Is there any? Is there anything from your experience then you could say from AXA to HSBC that the insurance world needs to be looking at right now? I I think the the I think the the playground for insurance is limited because there's so many like strings attached. I mean, there's so many like boundaries and so many restrictions here and there because of the current environment that we are in, be it regulation, be it interest rates, be it people. I think I think insurance world the channels would be the one that. They should be looking at how how do you how do you innovate the channels distribution. distribution and I'm not talking about direct channels I'm talking about distribution channels with real people because I think that's a which mm. which yeah which I, mean, I have a lot of discussions about mm. this so to to me that's like because right now it's person to person agency yeah. that's the main model of distribution yeah. and the user journey is just disgusting it's horrible mm. like and people are not educated about what it mm, is mm. and I think the overall feeling of what people feel about insurance is just negative and I think the the fixing the user journey and looking at where those channels yeah. sit along that journey are I think there's plenty of room. Uh, to give people a positive association to exactly, insurance, probably yeah, yeah. Is, is something along these lines. Along or? those lines, because I think now the 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 the, the one the person to person interaction could be improved. I think I think case in point is that take a look at FWD. I think they're trying hard to to reinvent the, uh, one of the biggest Hong Kong insurer. Mm. I think they are they are actually funded by I think Lee Ka Sing. They're trying to go IPO as well, mm. so so they have actually mm. re, they have actually managed to successfully change the image of insurance. The the advertisement is pretty cool, and I think they're trying to use tech to to change things. So so that would be a player that I would actually look out. I would I would look out for. Okay, yeah. well we'll 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 save we'll save that to the different yeah. podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so let's mm. so let's let's jump into your latest, and, and mm. I kind of set you up for mm. this, right? You've been talking about so many great things about corporate, yes. but somehow you decided to leave yeah. it. So what's what's going on here? If corporate's so good, mm -hmm. and you had a lot of value from it, why did you end up joining a startup, Momentum Works? I think I think it's a very good question. I think it, lead, it flows very nicely. I think the challenge was that corporate is good until a certain level. I mean, at least for me. Okay, I'm just speaking from my own personal experience. I think corporate. The 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 flip side is that there's the rules, there's the bureaucracy. You have to. I think I think there's bureaucracy, and I think there's also the the fact that you need to follow a certain culture. Right. Like for example, HSBC's culture is to be quite risk adverse, and after a while, you get a bit like you get a bit tired. Cynical. Cynical. Tired. Oh. The the amount of paper the, the amount of paperwork that you have to do there is actually is actually tremendous. Right. Uh, again, again, HSBC or the big banks are just like the regulators. They must do it because you know for 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 for. for for a place with more than, I think, if I'm not mistaken, 60,000 employees, I could be wrong, don't quote me, 60,000 employees across the world, how do you have a system that could conform 
to it, right? But yeah. the, the word, the word yeah. it, 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 in itself, it is. It's, you have to conform to that culture in order to thrive in that culture, right? Yeah. And, uh, and okay. after a while, you will do well. Uh, they, do, they do treat you very well. You, you start to question, is this all that I want to do? Some people may say yes. Some people may mm. say that my goal in life is to, to have a family. My goal in life is to knock off work nine to five. Mm. My goal is to have stability. Yeah, then it's correct. a great place for you. But I was actually, I was mm. quite curious. I want to see what else is out there. I wanted, I wanted to figure yeah. out, aside from banking, insurance, what else is out there. So I, and I told myself, if I don't try it now, when, when else, when will. When, when will I actually get this opportunity, no. right? Will my, yeah. mm. And so, and, and so it, it was more of a, a pull factor. And I think that time Momentum Works was just starting out, not starting out. And I think, to be very honest, I think Momentum Works couldn't really pay very well. When I said, I don't need to be paid, I have savings, right? <laughs> That's the thing. The corporate world gives you savings. They pay you so well, you can, you can actually have savings. Yeah. So then I said, why, why not give it a try? I mean, the thing is that I did actually do, did a bit of check and I realized that in any case, if, I, if it doesn't work out for, for, for a startup, the skills that you have learned at the startup is so transferable back to corporate. And maybe that will actually give you a boost in your, in, in your corporate career. Because everybody has been there for so long, why, if you go out and come back, you may actually even, even be in a better position. I think your case is special because you are able, mm. I think because you had a track record in corporate. Yeah. I feel traditionally speaking for most other countries around the world, mm. if you only had done startups, people don't understand what you do in a corporate world. Like you, especially uh, if you come as, as a generalist, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, except, except maybe in Asia where this, like, it's been really popular lately to be in startups and you know corporates are trying to do innovation there might be kind of space for mm. you to jump to a corporate but i think traditionally speaking like i'm not too sure like do you think that that's true where a startup person can just jump into corporate like you know mm. and it applies okay so to answer your question right alex i think nowadays the corporate world is okay this is why i think after spending so many years in corporate it is so corporates are so well run so well oiled that even if you were to come in with no experience, there is actually a, a very clear SOP that and training program that can get you up to speed very fast. So, and I think I think I'm very confident that no matter which corporate you go into, you can pick up the skills needed. Right. The challenge is that whether or not you can conform, or, do, or would you be able to accept the culture? Well, I, I'm not even talking about that. I think mm. I have no doubt I probably mm. could find some level of success or performance yeah. that's uh, beneficial for a corporate. I don't even think I could get my foot in the door because I don't – like what I would communicate in an interview, I just don't think they would – It would like I don't know. Do, do you think like – I don't know. Corporate managers are now woke. They, 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 are, like, they need more corporate – like a startup DNA and they're willing to talk to someone like me or – because like to me, I just – I don't think I would be able to get into a corporate. I, th I think – oh, definitely. And I think, I think Alex, uh, uh, my sense is that uh, – this is very interesting and I, I know we're running a bit late on time, but I just want to just um, play flashback this. This is basically me in the, at the beginning of the interview where you, you were asking me, do I want to be a CEO? And I had this hesitation mm. and now it's you. Now this is actually coming coming back to you where you uh, yeah. you have this. This has this yeah. has always been true. This has always been true for me from day one. Uh. This is like since I've been twenty since I've left school. Yeah. Right? It's just I've always been on the other track. That's yes, why. exactly. And 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 but it's also by talking to a lot of people mm. and speaking into the corporate world and mm. also even applying to big bigger more structured companies still starts like maybe somewhat corporate but also in tech mm. or you know it. 
I just don't do well with those interviews. You know, it, it just doesn't seem to work. My, my sense is that actually the, the interviews are usually asked to suss out whether or not you fit the culture more than anything else. So, yes, yes. Yeah. I, I, think, I think the interviews are, more, are less so on your skills, but rather, would this person be able to work with me? Would this person be able to work with my guys? And I think that's, that's the first point. The second point to your question is that, uh, yes, a lot of uh, corporates that I know are now looking for people from the startup uh, environment mm. because I think they, they, they also know that they need new blood and they need new experience. Yeah. And you can either get a fresh graduate that has nothing or you want to get somebody yep. with a bit more color in, in, in a different angle. Okay. So, so I am seeing this, this trend happening. Mm. Yeah. So I guess your point stands. You know, what, what you were saying earlier was that you know, even if you jump to startup, it might have some value because yeah. you could always go back to corporate if needed and give you a different perspective. Yes, yes, yeah. Mm. And, yeah. And mm. I mean, yeah, I guess mm. uh, maybe I do have some inherent uh, biases and, and mental things blocking me to, to, to think that. But I, I, I think you're, you know, the, the main core point stems mm. culture wise, it's just not going to work out probably. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I, yeah. I, think, I think it's changing. So I would say that yeah. in the next few years, the culture will change, but the thing that will not change would be the mission and the vision. Of a, of a, of a okay. big corporate. And the, the, the question to ask yourself is, do I want to do that? So again, again, it's, I, I love the fact that everything is coming full circle. It's the fact that you are asking me, would you want to be a CEO? Right. And I think, yeah. I think the question would be, do I want to be in the limelight? And maybe if the answer is, is no, it's really the fact that I don't feel comfortable. And the same for you, right? If you were, if mm. you were, if you had the chance to go to corporate, would you want to be in that kind of a situation where you had to be in that environment? And if the answer is no, mm. it does not mean that you can't contribute. It's just, it's just that maybe you need to find yeah. another different way to contribute. Well, yeah, for, for me, because mm. uh, I mean, like, I, I don't know in the context of what you're saying, mm. but like, I'm just going to say off the top of my mm. head, it's more about that point in my life. Mm. If like, for example, it's something I'm willing to sacrifice enough where I, I'm willing to make that trade. Mm. But if I don't have to sacrifice anything and I could live in how I want to live, right, then I'm not going to put those constrictions on me, right? So, mm. I mean, it's for, uh, the example is like when I got burned on, on one of the, the, the bootstrap ventures I was doing, I worked for more than a year yeah. without salary and burned a lot of my savings. Yeah. So, like, I, I couldn't afford to. So, I, I, I found a nice little in-between where I was building a venture for an angel investor was able to get paid, mm. right? So, you know, but if, if there was no other in-between, then, you know, of course, I, I'd be willing to make that trade if it came, push came to shove. So, yeah. uh, but for, I guess for me, you know, I, I don't have to make that compromise yet. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't have responsibilities beyond myself and my partner, no children yet or mm. anything like this. So, I'd, I'm not cornered into that position but you know if, if it if it did it's like you said i would be comfortable with that mm. to do that you know how does that fit into what we're talking about i don't know what do you think i think it's coming full circle i, I think i think if it's, so it's the same it's, it's the same, same. it's okay. the same we're coming full circle so so we we started off from a different 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 side of the river let's say and then now we're sort of like meeting each other halfway and i, I think it's the same uh, this is how the world is actually yes it's like, I, I, yeah i let you i let you take control oh no <laughs> <laughs> you, you spun the tables on me fair enough fair enough oh so uh, Yolen, you gotta watch out for yulin she's very good that way okay so let's let's talk about let's talk about your role as ceo mm. again right so I, i'm going to recommend you a great resources that i had read maybe more than five six seven years ago yeah. in terms of learning about how to build different structures and different roles within startups. The book is called Riding Shotgun. Riding Shotgun. Okay. 
right? So with sh- riding shotgun is like you're riding in a passenger seat with the, you know, back in the day in yeah. the carriage, you had a shotgun, but you're not the guy driving the horse, right? So yeah. it's, a, it's an allusion towards the guy riding the horse is the CEO, but the guy riding shotgun next to him is the CEO, yes, right? Yes. And then it gives you like, it, the, the book goes to explain different, so they did analysis on like all the top five Fortune 500 companies and the different roles of CEOs. Mm. Right, and they have diff- they found different types of personas and use cases for CEOs, mm, mm, mm. and I, I was I was kind of you know I think it would be a good book for you to read to kind of for your own context as CEO. Interesting. And and yeah. and one one of the roles is what we talked about earlier. Yeah. A CEO role has been crafted with the expressed intention of taking over as CEO one uh-huh. day, but it has to be purposeful, yeah. right? Yeah. Another one is the CEO who is a mentor. Who was there just to help through a rough transition period? Mm-hmm. It's like how you said, you know, there's wartime CEO yeah. and there's uh, peacetime yeah, CEO, yeah. right? It's the same thing for CEOs, right? Yeah. So there's a type of role for CEO where they're just there's an older guy yeah. to help a younger founder who's a CEO, yeah. and then he will never take over, but he'll just eventually retire. I mean, there's they have many other types of formats of CEOs, which I think would be interesting to explore, right? Mm. So I'm kind of thinking, what do you see yourself? What is your profile as CEO? What is the role that you crafted at Momentum Works, and how does that work mm. with the company, the culture, and the senior management structure? Okay, that's a loaded question. So, so uh, I'm actually. I believe that my role as a COO right now is more of peacetime CEO, but I think it could go into, but it could go to wartime CEO anytime, right? Uh, CEO. What does that mean? Meaning that I think as a startup, we are always on the lookout for the threats. We are on the lookout. We need to grow, but we also need to be on the lookout for the anything that will actually be a threat to my to my company's existence, right? So now is the time to prepare. Uh, now the time to groom the talents, the time to build up our resources. When the time when it comes to the time to fight, then I would I think we need to be in a in a position to be strong mentally and and physically in terms uh, to be able to to run very fast and yeah. to overtake the competitors. So so I think 2020 has been a very interesting year for for us to to really build up our resources. I think we're in a very good place right now. We have lots of insights. We have lots of networks that have been built. And actually the, 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 the kind of like Zoom or this kind of like internet connection is actually helping us a lot. And I want to see what next year will bring. I want to see how we can actually take Momentum Works to the next level. Right. I want, I want mm-hmm. to see Momentum Works grow to, to the, the, the vision that is actually yeah. uh, what I want to do. So I will actually look out for your book. I really want to read it. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, it's not, it's not a loaded question. It's more mm. to question what is your current. So maybe, because so one of the points that the book points out is that when people have not deeply defined this well enough, mm. what happens is friction happens. So one CEO thought he was the grooming, the groom, the CEO to be groomed. Yeah. But that CEO was never going to let go of that position. Mm. And thus, that's when things break apart. Seniorship, senior leadership breaks apart and, you know, different expectations. So mm. it's more of a sh- thinking of structuring exercise like of I see. what, what is what has been your current role and then yeah. how do you see that role evolving over time it could be one thing now it could change later yeah. but i think it's a, uh, an ongoing conversation that i think uh, founders and CEO, ceos and ceos need to have over time mm. you know because the, the things change like you said the, things could shift for you where yeah. you know yeah. things are being maintained you're supporting but then next the next day you need to be in a more active role and take maybe on more responsibilities that the ceo may have so he can focus on other things too mm. right not necessarily taking over though mm-hmm. right but the question is you know have you have you Def, have you defined that and then how does that look over time right? mm-hmm. I, I think I think that's why I think in this sense right is actually a blessing that I think I work very well with the CEO 
I think we get along very well. Yeah. So, so I think I think the transition or wherever we're going actually will be much easier compared to other companies. I'm very confident of that. Mm. Right? Where where are we going next? What does it look like right now? Specifically, as a CEO, prospectively, how does it look like right now? I I think right now everybody is working towards the same goal. The goal may change, so we're putting in place. We're trying we're trying out. Uh, a new process called the OKR okay. to try to uh, move things along. Uh, object, object, key results. Yes, on that note, I think I would recommend everyone to read the book "Measures What Matter- Matters" by John Doerr. This one mm. that I'm reading right now, actually. But this one is very uh, good. So, so, so the the, the takes the Google. I mean, I think Google yeah, popularized this, exactly, right? Exactly. Yeah. And he's taking that method. Mm. Can you roughly speak what is an OKR and then? I think no. Okay, an OKR is mainly what, especially versus KPI. Versus KPI, right? So OKR is actually what uh, we have been talking about. The the C that we need to have a company wide objective. Like for example, mm. we're going to make Momentum Works famous in Southeast Asia, right? Yeah. That's objective. Uh, and then the the key results will be something that we review every quarter. We need to have some kind yeah. of like results with that the team can run towards too with a with a number. Yeah. Like for example, I need to get ten articles out. I need to talk to Alex five times, for example, to, so that it's something achievable. And that is something that corporates have it. But maybe uh, corporates mainly, I think they use KPIs. We want to use this OKR, which could the 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 key results. May change every quarter, but the objectives do not change. But it sounds like you must define the KPI, right? I think you got to be careful, right? Mm. I think I think an OKR does have a metric assigned to it, yes. but it's something that could be uh, built over time. Yes, correct. Whereas a KPI, I, I yeah, I still have, mm. I still haven't figured that out completely, yeah. right? So like a KPI I, I, is more of a tangible number that, uh, that's very specific to. OKR is also very. It has to be tangible as well. But I think I think but the OKR. I think the good thing about it is that it's actually uh, bottoms up. So after knowing the objective of the of the of what we want to do, I let the team decide what the, what yeah. what should be the key results to achieve this objective. So I think this yeah. this is yeah. Well, mm. And I think the most more important thing is you have to be able to measure that. Gradual increase over time exactly. each quarter, mm. right? Mm. Whereas a KPI, I think, is more direct. Like you, it's very black and white. Yes, I think yes. it's either like you hit it or you don't. And then I guess what you're doing is you're tying back those metrics to the mm. overall objective. Okay, right? okay, is either you hit it or you, or you don't as well. But I think KPI is more like uh, more like it's more like set in stone. Like for example, you need to hit. 20 sales this quarter, whereas OKR is like, aside from 20 sales, there could be a few other, in the, uh, few other results that you need to hit. So I think, I think it complements each other in a way. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I think we'll have to re- revisit this topic to be more explicit yeah. about it. Maybe, maybe after you, you run it, then we, then we can talk yes, back yes. about well, what that yeah, is. Right? Cool. So, but that's, that's, that's part, that's part of your, your move is what being more, a combination of being more metrics and holistic driven. Exactly. It sounds yeah. like the, the, yeah, right? the structure in a way. Mm. The structures are so continuing to do what you do best, exactly. right? You love building out more structures to make it more efficient. Yes. And which kind of metrics are you looking at in terms of what? More volume, lower cost, more efficiency, better time, all of it? I think all of it. And I, I think also the people part. I think I want my people to be more engaged, more happier, uh, more productive as well. Uh, and what, what do you prioritize amongst all of those things I just mentioned? I think the people. I, th- I think at the end of the, the yeah, first. the people first. I'm, I'm trying. Uh, in the past, I think it was more like numbers. This year, I want to focus more on the people because without the people, we can't really, we we, we won't be able to move fast. Yeah.
Yeah, I, and also I think it's a function of the, the types of team you hire and the type of talent available, yeah. right? And yeah. by, by doing so, though, it, it, you know, whether you realize it or not, what you're doing is you're taking a more longer-term approach where you'll reap dividends later exactly, on. Exactly, right? yeah. So you're not going to see a higher impact necessarily in the next few years, but as, assuming you can make it sticky enough with good culture, mm. uh, then you will be able to move faster when you start doing scaling and, and doing more projects, getting more clients on board. In right? the next few months, not few years, next few months. Okay, well there you go, very <laughs> aggressive. Uh, but I don't know, people t people take time to develop. There's one like if you hire very young teams, and it sounds like you have a pretty young mm. team, the amount of effort, sheer amount of mentorship and effort you have to put into is very high, mm -hmm. and you don't see I don't know a few months, man. It's very mm. unless unless you have a very amazing team where they're all extremely fast learning. So I mean, I guess you know your team better. I have an amazing team. Uh, but but if, if, a, but, yeah. but if, if that's the ex if that's if, ex if that's the expectation, I don't doubt mm. you. So you know, I, I look forward to seeing what the team can do yeah. then. Okay, yeah. so. What what are your thoughts then about about being a, a CEO and, and starting a family? Can you do this? I believe we can. I can. I think. I think this is actually the golden question. Are you able to have a family and and run a company, right? So I think. Yeah, le leaning, leaning in, right? In, yeah. So so I think I think the, the 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 answer is that I believe I can. I don't know. I really don't know. But just like you know, I don't know whether I can be CEO. The thing is that just throw me into the deep end and let's try. Yeah. Okay. So you're taking more of an approach that it's something you may consider and you're very open to and, and you're going to think, I guess, you know, there's no point to over optimize and just dive in. No, and no point to overthink it. Just, just do it. Yeah, yeah correct. Mm -hmm. Just do it. Yeah, do it. And then I think I think more or less like you're you're not in a position where you're compromised or starving or something's really bad, right? So I think on the whole, it probably would work. Either way, it will work out. So so the thing is that finally, don't put all your eggs in one basket. So just try different things, and eventually you will find your your life's purpose. Your life's purpose is not really just to run a company. Your life's purpose is not just to be a mother. Your life's purpose is actually to to leave a legacy in one way or another, right? So that's mm -hmm. what I want to do. So, so uh, taking care of my team is also part of my legacy as well. Making sure they have a, they, they maybe, maybe, maybe making, maybe be the mentor that, mentor uh, that was, who told, who yeah. told me when I first started my job that, you know, it could be that. Okay, so I have, I have last two questions yeah. then. Well, why don't you tell us about your most painful learning and some of your biggest mess ups? My most painful learnings. Hmm. Okay, it hurt like something got destroyed because right? you I think with growth and personal growth you you learn the most when there's probably some amount of pain involved you, you don't have to but mm. more often than not if it's very painful if you could reflect back and, and come back with an open mind you probably have a lot of room for growth mm -hmm. I, I think the painful learning was actually when I first started again it's with pe relating to people I think when when I was um like what you say, right? I, you grow into the role of a of a leader, right? So I think I think when when I first started the company, or one year in, one year one or two years in the company, there was a time where uh, maybe I was too aggressive, maybe I was too maybe my mm. my expectation was was too high of of the young people. Trying to prove a lot. Maybe trying to prove a lot, and maybe trying to push people along too much. And there was a time when there were people that when they left me. They actually told me that, you know, I'm too harsh. I'm, I'm too, uh, I'm. How did they frame it? I, were they scared? Of course. I think, I think people are scared because, so, yeah, of course people are. So, so, it, so it means the truth might have been even uglier. Yeah, maybe, maybe. And I think, I think yeah. that's when I realized that actually, and people did leave. Some of them left like on, on a good note. Some of them mm -hmm. did leave on, at least they were, they were honest. All right. But I think the, the, it was a turning point to realize that, hmm. Maybe maybe I need to work on my 
maybe maybe there is something that they're telling me that I should you know uh, take into account, and that's when you realize that not everybody is the same as you. Not everybody mm. and people maybe some people need a bit more or, or different type of uh, coaching or or mentoring. Yeah. Right. And sure. and maybe a, a bit more um, guidance here and there. So so I the truth is that I'm still work in progress. I'm I'm yeah. not uh, I believe that I'm still but I believe that I'm a better boss because of them and so for that I thank them and it was very painful because leader leader you like boss leader okay leader leader yes okay so I'm I'm a bad leader because I think you you are as good as your your team that that is a fact right yeah. and if your team for some reason gives you feedback they shouldn't be afraid to give you feedback right but at the same no. time, I also need them to work hard. So what's the balance? So that's something I'm still working on. And that's, again, that's where I think the, the corporate knowledge hidden for so many years thought that I thought was use, wasn't very useful is actually emerging. And maybe, maybe. It, it, almost, yeah. it almost sounds like that your priority as COO mm -hmm. and what you want to do next is tied to these kind of recent experiences and what you discovered about yourself as a leader. Yes, yes. Right, yeah. so that, and it's, I mean, I guess I can kind of agree mm. to that from, say, a, a business standpoint, an investor standpoint, because if you don't fix the root, yeah. you're going to have, I mean, like, I think you can be effective. You're just going to have a higher churn, probably. And you're, and personally, you're not going to be happy with yourself at the end of the day, maybe. And you get, and, you, right? and you're actually tired, so, you're more tired because you need to do more things yourself. So, correct. so, so, yeah, so, yeah, so you do need yeah. to, it's, it's always important to, to, to get your team, your people updated. Yeah. I heard, I heard a recent podcast where they're talking about mm. like, you, you don't need to be a, a good person to be an effective CEO or leader, yes, yeah. right? But but they they and they were they were having discussion around conscious leadership, mm. right? I think that's a that's probably a a very good topic you should explore, and it, it talks about you know having conversations with people that are above the line or below the line. Yeah. If you're below the line, you're victimizing some aspect about Correct, it. Yeah. This is happening to me instead of you being above the line saying, you know, how could this have, like, how did, how could I have made this better or more of a positive spin on exactly, it? Exactly, right? yeah. So, so I think, you know, I think, but the, it, it, it's, and, in that conversation, they were talking about how it could be separated, you know, conscious leadership was more of a personal thing. But I, I feel it goes beyond that. I feel being a good person just, it's just going to be very critical for long-term stickiness, I'd say. I don't know. Would you disagree or disagree? I, I believe that being a good person and being a good boss are two different things. Being a good boss doesn't mean mm. that you're, you're... Being a good boss means that sometimes you need to... Well, do, make, you, do, do you mean manager or leader or both? Leader. Leader or manager, yeah. I, yeah. Well, there's a difference, right? Mm. You could be a good manager and be a bad leader. You could be a, bad, you could be a good leader but a bad manager. Leader, leader. You're right. Leader, leader. Good okay. leader. Yeah. So you're talking leader, about leader. Yeah. leader. Okay. Man managers, yeah, you're very right. Yeah, leader. So I think I think being a good being a good leader does uh, is different from being a good person. A good leader needs to yeah. really sometimes okay. push things through, but but in a fair way. I think I think the key thing is just the the, the structure, the process, the fact that it's transparent to to your to the people that you're leading, so that they have the trust in you. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Mm -hmm. So, so in that context, you're saying conscious leadership is yes. critical, and then it's not necessarily a separate thing. Mm -hmm. That so it should both be worked at the same time beyond the personal exactly. benefit of you feeling better exactly. about it. And I think the organization, the organization will feel it and probably perform at exactly. a higher level. Mm -hmm. Okay. Then the last question, I guess, what has made you cry at work? What has made me cry at work? Mm, nothing. Sorry. I'm, I'm too I'm too hardened for this. No, I don't cry at work. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Felt any felt like felt like you wanted to, but you didn't. <laughs> Anything? 
Mm, oh, there was only one time when a young uh, young girl chose to give up a career for because she didn't believe in herself. That that was the only time I felt bad. Yeah. Oh, so you, I, is it because you related to her, or you saw yourself in her, or why why was this so touching? Not touching, but just sad. It's just that you. It's just sad. Oh, like a waste of talent. talent that you want to give this away after putting in so much effort. So yeah, that that was the only time when I was talking to a f- a friend on this. Aside from that, nothing. So. Mm, oh, it was just a, okay. More of a friend, friend personal friend, yeah. thing. Mm. Okay, so not not really not tied, tied to work. work yeah. So you're a tough. You're you're a you tough. You have to be then. tough to survive, right, in the startup world. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it's important to allow yourself space for vulnerability, authenticity mm-hmm. too. Right? I think it's very important to connect uh, with the don't, people. Don't get me wrong. I'm vulnerable. Um, I'm very sensitive. I but I think and sometimes I get sad, angry, happy. I, I do. I do. It's reflected and it's reflected quite clearly. It's just that I don't cry. Mm. Okay, so that's just more of a personal mechanism. You don't handle yeah, it that yeah. way. Okay, so last things and anything you want to plug that we need to know. So if you want to learn about Momentum mm. Works, you can just listen to Jang Gan's episode. He explains ah, what yes. it is. And we go into detail of the different business models and, and what the initiatives and projects are. So, But is there anything you personally want to plug for Momentum Works or anything you... I- I think we've covered a lot, of, a lot, a lot in this podcast. I'm really happy with uh, the questions you've asked. You've, you've asked. I, I think the only thing is that momentum works. We, 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 we do want to be a, a thought leader. We want to be for startups, investors, corporates. So I'm trying to leave my legacy on momentum works in, in my way. So. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I guess uh, recently we've, we've been collaborating on some content so we could you guys if anyone listening could check out the Momentum Works content yeah. as well. Where 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 can we find that? Um it's on our website. At the uh, Momentum Works M- momentum. momentum.asia. Yes. Mm. Yes, momentum.asia mm. and uh, I believe there's YouTube video YouTube format, video, there's the blog, blogs, right? yeah, and then there's reports as well, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. And contact us do, this contact. Do you person mm. Yeah. Do you personally use Twitter? I use TikTok. Oh, you! Wow, you. My team. Uh, you are much my younger team than uses, me. I do not my use team TikTok. Uses TikTok. Yeah. So. Mm. Okay. So I guess if anyone wants to reach out to you, they could find you on LinkedIn probably, or contact you through mem- and, and Workstar Asia. Yeah. All right. Sounds good. Thank you for your time Thanks, today. Thanks, Alex. Ron. Thanks, and have a good day. Mm, bye. Okay, bye. Hey, listeners, it's Alex again. Thanks for listening to another episode of EO8. As usual, please help share this with friends and family if you enjoyed the content, stories, and lessons. Help rate us on your relevant app store platforms if you learned something. For myself, what did I learn? I think listening back, I realized that everyone is holding on to their own biases, that they may not realize my own apprehensions regarding corporate life and Yorlin initially getting caught off guard and thinking about her own role as a leader and a possible future CEO. We assume our models are right on default and sometimes need to take pause and question our assumptions, not as an exercise of right or wrong, but seeing how the world can be beyond what we think, which may help us make better decisions that have fulfilling outcomes. Again, not necessarily a right or wrong context. Life is often a journey of many forking adventures and being open-minded can take you places you don't expect in a positive way at times. And if not positive, it's an opportunity for learning and growth. Yorlin, having lived in both worlds of corporate and startups, provide unique insights that everyone can take lessons from. In the end, startups and corporates are both on the same coin but on different sides. A massively scaled startup becomes a corporate, and a corporate will always try to innovate like a startup to stay relevant. Lastly, take time to really think about your leadership roles and how they are defined and serve your organization. 
Hopefully some of these ideas and lessons help. See you guys back here for next week's episode. EOA out.